0: Good morning, City Church. I'm Trevor, and this is City Church Together for Tuesday, November 10th. This last weekend at our worship gathering, we talked about celebrating uh, the disciplines of fasting as a rooted practice in Jesus as a sort of reset, and also feasting, celebration as a good life uh, overflowing practice to our neighbors, our community, our, our family, our friends. Uh, Those that know Jesus and those that don't as well. Um, And I want to show you this week, uh, spend some time at least uh, today and tomorrow in the Old Testament law, the Torah. You remember this is what um, Nehemiah and Ezra discovered and read before the people and they started weeping. So I thought we would spend some time there to look at celebration, uh, fasting and feasting inside of the Torah, the law or the first five books of the Old Testament. So today let's go to Exodus 23 in a very very strange command that maybe um, will uh, this will shed a little light on this command for you and hope you hope you'll see it in a new way. So this is Exodus 23 um, verse 10, Exodus 23 starting in verse 10. And uh, in my Bible, in the CSB version, it is labeled as Sabbaths and festivals. So you know we're talking, both Sabbaths and festivals are forms of celebration. Uh, Festivals um, come around on a yearly basis, and there are several throughout the year, or a biannual basis sometimes. And uh, Sabbaths, of course, are a weekly practice in the the Hebrew law. So um, I'll start reading in chapter 10. Sow your land for six years and gather its produce. But during the seventh year, you are to let it rest and leave it uncultivated, so that the poor among your people may eat from it, and the wild animals may consume what they leave. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. Do your work for six days, but rest on the seventh day, so that your ox and your donkey may rest, and the son of your female slave as well as the resident alien may be refreshed. Pay strict attention to everything I have said to you. You must not invoke the names of other gods. They must not be heard on your lips. Celebrate a festival in my honor three times a year. Observe the festival of unleavened bread as I commanded you. You are to eat unleavened bread for seven days at the appointed time in the month of Abib, because you came out of Egypt in that month. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. Also, Observe the festival of harvest with the first fruits of your produce from what you sow in the field and observe the festival of ingathering at the end of every year when you gather your produce from the field. Three times a year all your males are to appear before the Lord God. You must not offer the blood of my sacrifices with anything leavened. The fat of my festival offering must not remain until morning. Bring the best of the first fruits of your land to the house of the Lord your God. You must not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. That is the word of the Lord from Exodus 23. That last half of verse 19, you must not boil a young goat in its mother's milk, is what um, in our here journal, that's going to be our highlight. That's the verse that I'm zeroing in on and uh, wanting to explain and apply. And it seems really difficult to apply um I remember when I first learned about um Hasidic Jews and the way that they apply this verse. Is they actually have two different um uh two different sinks. They 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 keep everything separate. Um they have a spot for dairy, so the milk, and then they have a spot for meat. So a cheeseburger is off limits. You can eat cheese and you can eat you know a hamburger but you cannot eat them together because one is dairy from the cow's milk and the other is the cow, um, and so cooking them together they think is um, they believe is a um, is a violation of this command. So let's see what's happening here so that we can explain it. So our H here is that you must not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Now, following through this, we know just by the heading that this section is on Sabbaths and festivals. It's it's a few festivals that happen uh, three times a year actually. And then Sabbaths, of course, are once a week where rest is commanded. And let's just note, uh, remember from, uh, so Sabbath, I'm qualifying Sabbath as a kind of celebration um, because it happens every week. It is a time that you stop, you reflect on what the Lord has done. And indeed, there's there are celebratory things that happen um, for, uh, for the Jew. This would have been um, uh, the husband and wife. This would have been a time that they would have had sex, which is itself an its own celebration, marital celebration. Um, this would have been uh, a time that uh, the family would have been together. It would have been a time of worship. So, it's a the Sabbath is a is a weekly celebration. And in this celebration, notice the overflow. It's one thing we talked about this last week that that the way that we are to feast. Um, or celebrate should, uh, of course, be filled with joy in the Lord, but it should overflow to other people. And we get lots of um, people that get the overflow, the benefit of this celebration. Um, uh, It says, you're going to leave the field so that the uh, sow your land for six years and gather its produce, but during the seventh year, let it rest uncultivated so that the poor among your people may eat from it and the wild animals may consume what they leave. So, so, uh, this seventh year sort of festival, um, allows an overflow for the poor and for wild animals, um, do your work. And then we have for six days, the Sabbath, do your work for six days, but rest. And again, animals are on the benefit, uh, they're beneficiaries of this weekly celebration. Your ox and your donkey can rest. And, um, also their servants can rest and be, and, uh, can rest and be, refreshed as well as the resident alien in other words foreigners or out of towners who are staying there they can be re- uh, rested too and then he keeps going to say um, don't don't worship other gods and he makes these celebrations apart of of being sure that they don't rest, um, that they don't worship other gods. Why? Well, we get that next because um, in verse fourteen he says, "Celebrate a festival three times a year, the festival of unleavened bread," and that points them back to God's deliverance. That's the kind of feast this is, so that they remember that God took them, that God rescued them from Egypt, and so in that celebration and that restatement of what God did. They know, yes, this is the one true God that rescued us. And then he talks about setting aside first fruits for uh, of your produce in order to observe the festival of gathering. So here's here's another celebration. He says you want to take the best of what you have grown and bring it to the festival. Now tomorrow we're going to look in. We're going to look at what people did when they got to these festivals with their first fruits. But for now, it says you're going to bring all of these. Um, you're going to bring all of these uh, first fruits in, and that's that's how we're going to stock the celebration, all right? And then he says, you must not offer the blood of my sacrifices with anything leaven. Um, the fat of my festival must not remain until morning. Bring the best, here it is again in 19 now, now we're, now we're to our verse, bring the best of the first fruits of your land to the house of the Lord. Your God. Now, again, we'll we'll get more on that and on taking your first fruits to the house of the Lord and what they did with that. Which, spoiler alert, it is. It's going to be a celebration. Uh, it's going to be a a feast. But look at this last thing. It just seems to come out of nowhere. You must not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. So, what are we to make of that command? The command, on one hand, seems pretty clear um, if we just take it at face value. Don't boil a young goat in its mother's milk. But the commands of God, um, the, uh, as I read the Torah, I, I read the Torah not as um, necessarily statutory law. In other words, here is a command and you are to follow it exactly. If that is the case, we've got big problems because there's a lot of the law that we don't follow. Um, so I, I read the Torah as wisdom. Um, And so there is something to read into God's laws. They are not just arbitrary laws. There is something to read into any law that would show us the wisdom that is enlightened and highlighted, especially because the law is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So when I see you must not boil a young goat in its mother's milk, here is the way that I would um, explain that. It seems to me, um, it seems to me, uh, especially in the way that the, the, as you continue on, um, that the uh, Torah will talk about blood in an animal and and eat you know kill the animal eat the animal but do not eat its blood for that is its life. Um, I'm seeing this word boil and if you remember from this weekend we had a similar word uh, in Nehemiah chapter nine when it when he talks about his ancestors um, having acted uh, presumptuously. Uh, acted pridefully. That word was another word for heat up or or cook or boil over. Um, now that that was that was zood. This is actually a different word for boil, but it still does mean to cook and heat and boil. Um, so you must not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Now, what is a mother's milk to a young goat? It is where that young goat gets life from, and so. What I see happening here is there is um, there is something about the way that God wants things that he does not want what is intended to give life to actually be the thing that kills. Don't boil a young goat. Uh, the, the milk of uh, a mother goat is intended to give life to or to grow a baby goat. But in, in this case, if you boil, if you cook the baby goat in it, you are using it to kill the baby goat. And it, it, it cuts against the grain of the way that God makes the universe. And so we get in all of this idea of celebration and festival and bring the first fruits and make sure that you are overflowing positively. We get this idea of overflowing, uh, this idea against overflowing negatively, which we, um, which we said is wrapped up in or, or is confronted in fasting. How do you apply this? You know, pretty easy. I, I can't remember a single time I've ever, you know, went out, got a young goat, really wanted to boil it in its mother's milk, but decided, oh, I can't do that. No, no that's not it. The, the application of the wisdom of this is to think, it is to generalize into, all right, I don't want to take something that is meant to give life and use it to bring death. I don't want to take something that is meant to give life and use it to bring death. Now, this could describe many, many things, but at the heart of it is idolatry. Which is at the heart of all of our boiling over, all of our zood, right? We think we become God, and then we use the gifts of God, like our emotions. Uh, we use the gifts of God, like sex. Uh, the gifts of God, like money. The gifts of God, like family, um, to to make idols, to make to replace God, and those idols begin to kill us because. If, if we're not worshiping God, if we're worshiping something other than God, that is its own form of dying and death and pushes us deeper into death. So this this command, you must not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. The wisdom, the application that I take from that is to is when I am boiling over Zood from Nehemiah nine, I'm going to think about I'm going to think about the boiling a young goat in his mother's milk. I'm using something that is intended for life and it's actually working out for death. So I want to reject that. I want to use things the way God intended them. And that is what celebration is. I want to use what I have to overflow. I want to set up my life in such a way that I rejoice in the Lord. I want, and then I want my rejoicing to work out for other people's benefits, for animals, for the poor, Uh, I'm just looking at the text here for all the things written in the text Um, for other people, you know, for the resident alien. Like I want to go with the grain of the kingdom of God, which is I get happy about what God gets happy about. The joy of the Lord is my strength from Nehemiah. I get happy about what God gets happy about instead of trying to take what God has given for life and twisting it in some way. For my own gain, which actually brings death, boiling a young goat in its mother's milk. I know that's a little convoluted, but that is the wisdom that I believe you take from you must not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Um, so it may, if it's helpful to tattoo that on your face or your wrist or remember it, um, it certainly is a kind of catchy verse and can certainly be used uh, in many ways as a reminder to you and to others who know it. Whoa, whoa, whoa am I boiling a young goat in its mother's milk here? Um so let us now respond to God with a prayer. Um before a moment of silence in city church, I pray that today that you will take the gifts of God that were given for for your life and and use them that way and not twist them to bring about your own death. Let's be silent and pray. Our Father, thank you for the good gifts that you give. Thank you for leading us into rejoicing and celebration. And Father, as we overflow to others with the resources you have given us, with the gifts you have given us by celebrating you, help us also to repent from and to reject the Temptation to use those gifts that you've given us that are supposed to bring life and twist them for our own purposes, for our own selfishness, um, uh, for our own retaliation against our enemy in such a way that they bring death. God, help us not to hoard the toilet paper, but to give it away. Um, Father, help us to spare a square. Help us to celebrate and rejoice with you. Be happy about what you are happy about and rejoice like the prodigal father who celebrated his son coming home. Rejoice like the shepherd uh, who found the sheep and the angels who rejoice at one of the little ones coming to Jesus. I was to rejoice, take heart like the widow who found her coin when she swept the house. Give us a spirit of celebration and proper overflow instead of a spirit that would use what you have given for life and to twist it to death. Only by your spirit can we make those kinds of decisions. Only by remembering the way that you overflowed to us in the cross and the resurrection can we make those kinds of decisions. Yet we have everything we need for life and godliness. And now, for your glory, we'll live that way. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Spirit, amen. City Church, go multiply the gospel without boiling a young goat in its mother's milk.